Welcome to Think and Reimagined, produced by Live Abundantly. Live Abundantly is committed to justice, equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion for the creation of a global society which respects the rights and well-being of all citizens. We invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com to support our initiatives for women, youth and children. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for, for a, a better, better global society. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Thinking Reimagined podcast. I am Nifemi Oguntoye. Dr. Abba, Ms. Sotomino joined me. You will hear my daughter's voice in the background as well. Don't mind that, she's just playing. Well, the internet over the years has brought huge developmental addition, no doubt, to our world, particularly when you think of the advent of social media, which I believe has also tremendously um, broadened connectivity, communication, as well as information dissemination. Now, there are, however, a few stories of internet use that have also ended with some form of bitterness. With internet becoming a prevalent part of our daily lives globally, our vulnerability has also increased. So a few names come to mind when you consider people whose online interaction has come back to hunt them. How many of you remember Kevin Hart, popular American comedian and actor, lost the job of hosting the 2018 Oscars because of certain homophobic tweets from 10 years ago? Well, he didn't get the job despite deleting the said tweet and apologizing. In our last episode, Ms. Schultzmiller talked about England cricket player Uli Robinson who was suspended by the ECB for his offensive, racist, and sexist tweets dating back to 2012-2013. That was when he was some 18 years old. He's 27 now. The issue with Isap and Tami in Nigeria is still fresh on the minds of many. The Minister of Communications and Digital Economy, while also a renowned Muslim cleric, had expressed views sympathetic to terrorist groups like Boko Haram and Al-Qaeda. Now, many of these audios, videos, and texts resurfaced online with people asking for his resignation. Uh, and the, list, the list is endless. Let me begin with Ms. Shotimino. There's this talk about what is now known as online reputation. They say it is so connected to your real-life reputation. Do you agree? Is there a thin line between your life online and who you really are? Thank you, Nifemi. That's a very um, unusual question because this is talking about uh, one's personal uh, image, actually, um, public image. So a public image is the image others have of you, you know, whilst you're outside your house or your comfort zone, so to speak. So I would assume that your online image is extremely important as well. And the question you've asked is whether we can separate the two. Well, it's it's also a fact that uh, a lot of people do have their personal image and have their work image or their public image. And if we identify that uh, social media is a public platform, 
then therefore there's a connection between your public image and your online image, clearly. But I think what hasn't been clear to many people is how far reaching the, your online image is in comparison to maybe, for example, your TV image, your the impressions you give over the TV, over the radio. So um, an impression can be given just by the push of a button to millions and millions of people all over the world, unlike a TV program that is captured within a certain time. And, you know, you have to look for that recording or write to the TV station to get the recording and so on. And I think um, putting forward the wrong image um, would be devastating to anyone's career um, if, if care isn't taken. But the, the reality is because people sit down in their comfort zones or at home with their phones and they don't realize, I mean, the, the re they don't realize how powerful, as we said last week, how powerful their tweets are. It's, it's difficult for me to explain without bringing in the effects on, on children, which I know you don't want me to do at, at the moment. So I, I think, yes, it is correct that you cannot separate um, the two. We'll talk about children in a bit, Ms. Hiltmina. Let me bring Dr. Amma in. Um, it, it would appear that not many young people understand what is called a digital footprint. The fact that by simply putting your name on Google, you can do a trace of all your digital activities, you know, putting your name in a search engine, and then you go through what the digital world knows or thinks about you. I remember there was a time I went for a job interview and the, the guy asked me what my name is right in my front. I mean, he just um, checked me out. No, he actually asked my Twitter handle and he started going through, you know, my timeline. It was a shocking experience for me because at that particular point in time, I got very conscious and I started thinking, oh my, what was the last thing I tweeted? Have I ever, you know, <laughs> I mean, a lot of things started running through my mind. Talk to us about the need for young people to understand that um, it is a mix of online and reality, particularly the fact that um, the issue of profiling people based on their online activities as, is now a thing, you know, and just like what Ms. Shotimino said, that you probably will not be able to separate, you know, your public person from what you really are. Well, Nifemi, thank you very much for that poignant question and most critical in this new digital age that we live in. And I think it's a question that's important, not just for young people who have access to the internet, but also for adults as well. Many people do not realize that when you apply for university, when you apply for a visa, when you apply for a job, that they check your social media platforms to see what you have placed there, what pictures are being shown, what groups are you following, what kinds of things are you featured on, what negative comments or positive comments, all of these things, the universities, offices, businesses do look at it. Since, let me give you an example. Since 2019, sorry, since 2019, yeah, 2019, I had to think about that again. Um, the US government has always asked visa applicants, um, immigrants, all of that to provide their Twitter handle, 
but it's not just the United States. You've got the UK, you've got Singapore, Australia, just to name a, a few, who request your handle because they want to see if you are in any way providing or associated with information or groups that they would deem not suitable for entry into their country. As a matter of fact, at immigration, they do check when you're coming in, even if you've been granted a visa, they can very quickly go online to check just to confirm that you are the individual. So it is very important for young people, for all people, to be honest, to be aware of what they are sharing on the social media platforms, the pictures, the groups, the comments. It's 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 most vital that they take care of that because you can be banned from going into a country or pursuing a job or um, even getting admittance to university. So you do not want to be ostracized um, by you know the cancel, what's it called, cancel culture that's out there right now. And it certainly can affect your livelihood and your future professionally and privately. Thank you. Ms. Sutomita, you, you, you shared with us um, during the last episode about Ollie Robinson, how, you know, tweets considered offensive from close to 10 years uh, back, you know, resurfaced and was responsible for why he was suspended. You also shared with us that on most of these social media platforms, there are age restrictions. There are, there's a particular age that you must have attained before opening an account. Talk to us about why young people must be more responsible or perhaps on the contrary are we living in a world that is becoming less forgiving because you also want to question why would anyone take a fall for the tweet for something they tweeted 10 years ago is there is the possibility of that person changing valid you know is the possibility of a change in opinion valid 10 years after the show to me. Thank you, Nifemi. Yes, the case of 27-year-old um, um, Ollie Robinson, the cricketer, um, is quite um, a sad one, actually, uh, an unfortunate one, where, as you said, he, he had posted racist and sexist tweets years ago. And uh, this, these tweets were uh, deemed to be so offensive that um, he has been cancelled from playing, um, you know, or suspended. And the reality is, you know, he, he did um, compose these uh, messages when he was much younger. People have said that possibly he was, uh, you know, tired or uh, probably not in the right frame of mind when he was composing them. You know, that's no excuse, really. It's, it's just like saying... Um, you, you can uh, swear at somebody or you can be offensive and verbally abusive just because you're in a bad mood or you're a bit inebriated. Uh, it's, it's totally wrong. So, yes, we say that the Internet never forgets and we say that um, we should use the Internet for, for, for positive uh, reasons, not negative ones. Um, but, you know, online using online technology to hurt other people seems to be very common these days, not just amongst young people, but also amongst more mature people, where I use the word hurt uh, to cover 
to harass people, to threaten people, to, you know, all forms of abuse. And if we go back to children now, 90% of teenagers agree that cyberbullying is a problem. 63% of them believe that it's a serious, serious problem. And a 2018 study, this is three years ago, found that children and young adults who are the victims of cyberbullying are more than twice as likely to engage in self-harm or attempt suicide. So I, I know this isn't necessarily about cyberbullying, but it's the reality is it's whether you're, you're at the receiving end of a racist or sexist comment or you're being harassed or bullied online, um, it can give way to so many negative outcomes. So it's very, very important for, for just as Dr. Amma said, for children, adults, everyone to be aware of what they're posting. It's just really no excuse at all to, to post maybe false comments on people or, or be mean, or as they say in Nigeria, to clout chase uh, and all these things are totally unnecessary because as I said, with that 2018 study, I, 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 I hate to believe that those uh, percentages are much higher now, you know, and we do know of many people who have ended up giving up on their professions because of the shame and abuse they've received, the shame they feel after being uh, the victims of abuse online. They've had to give up on their work. They've, you know, attempted suicide. Some, you know, sadly have lost their lives and they've become a shell of themselves as a result of all this. You know, this brings us back to the conversation we had earlier on what needs to be done differently by stakeholders to ensure that the social media space becomes a safer place, especially for young people. Dr. Amma, I want us to talk about the need to use the internet more responsibly. There are young people now who are dating, who wouldn't mind sending nudes to each other. You know, people just assume that if you post something and delete, then it's gone. They forget that whatever you post has the possibility of going viral. Uh, someone can just print munch whatever it is you're posted. And by the time it is retweeted or, you know, distributed on different platforms, it becomes very difficult to, you know, take back that decision. What are those important questions that one must ask? you know, um, especially young people who now use the internet uh, before they go ahead to post some of these um, contents that do have the capacity to hunt them later in life. You know, for me, again, this goes back to parenting and I don't know how to avoid this kind of a topic today, but it's very important that parents recognize that they play a role in ensuring that the children understand what it means to um, the terms of agreement that are provided by companies and why they must abide by that. So if you have not attained the age where you can be online, then it becomes really important that you do not sign on, you do not use a fake ID or name to get access to the internet. Now, if you can legally access the internet, then you must understand that there is a footprint that you leave with each association, with each comment, with each follow that you take on and be aware that these things do not go away. So there is a need to educate 
children and their parents or the 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 um, guardians on the terms of agreement that companies have, but also the importance of recognizing the power of the internet, the power of social media. And um, once you can educate people on that, they will become more conscious of some of the tweets and videos that they post because they do not go away. It's like having a computer. You may think that because you have deleted something, it's gone. No, it's not. It's there in the hard drive and it can be retracted and it can be put out. So we have to be mindful and we have to teach our young children. We have to make university bound children understand that what you post, you know, the images that you you put out there, the organizations that you're affiliated with um, does say a lot and about your character and your personality. And um, of course, for job seekers as well, they do go and look. There was a study in 2018 where um, I know it was a US based um, organization, I think it was career builders, and they said companies, 70% of companies admit that they do go on to look at what you have posted and who you're affiliated with. And people do lose an opportunity to advance their careers and move forward. But um, it, it's unfortunate, you know, we, the recent one is Christy Teigen, a model who is now losing not just followers that she garnered by the tweets and things that she was sending out there. Well, I don't want to use tweets because it could have been Twitter or Instagram, but all of that that she did on social media, she amassed a large following, but in the process, she did cyber bully others. And now she's losing endorsements. People don't want to be associated with somebody who has a negative reputation and can affect their business. You know, social media has now become a platform, not just for sharing our views and sharing aspects of our lives, but also for conducting business. And um, people have to be very mindful moving forward. This is Think and Reimagined, a Leave Abundantly production. In association with Nelkan Media. Ms. Rixman, earlier you talked about the issue with cyberbullying and what is now being known as the cancel culture. Um, there's a lot of work being done now to help um, this generation focus better in the midst of many distractions. There is um, a man by the name Carl, Carl Newport, you know, who's written certain books. Um, there is a concept what they call digital mini minimalism, you know, the they need to choose a focused life in a very noisy world. In the last in the previous episode, we mentioned how social media platforms can take more responsibilities. You know, I heard someone recently say checking for likes on social media posts, you know, has now become the new smoking. You cannot quantify the amount of distraction and obsession taking place on social media. At some point, I noticed that Instagram stopped counting likes. I mean, people literally become depressed, you know, simply by posting pictures and not having, you know, what they consider to be the equal amount of likes that commensurate the amount of work they have done. You begin to wonder now if, if there is 
there is a bigger role for these companies to play. For instance, um, you put a post and then, you know, young people come, they abuse, they discourage. There are cases of people who have committed suicide as a result of this. On one hand, it is what Dr. Amma mentioned that parenting has to play the critical role of ensuring that children who have not assumed a particular age do not engage these platforms. But what do you say about adults who are even drastically affected by this culture? Thank you, Nifemi. Um, as Dr. Amma said, you know, the internet and social media is being used not just for social reasons, it's also being used for work-related reasons. So going back to Christy Tegan and not cancelling her, um, you know, her endorsements being cancelled. Also, her products are being pulled off the shelf. Um, she does a bit of cooking and her pots and her things are being pulled off the shelves and shops. It's pretty terrible, but the reality is the need to realise that even though people try to separate their social life and their work-related life um, on social media, in inevitably they're intertwined because um, you know, on Instagram, uh, one can share their social life and one can also promote their business, for example. On, on Twitter, you can promote your, you know, your business and share your views. It's all intertwined. And it's, as, we, as we keep saying, it's not just children, it's also the adults as well who want the, the high of getting uh, the likes, who live on, you know, um, who keep checking the, the likes that they've received and so on as a sort of um, some form of affirmation, I, I suppose. Um, if I just talk about the aspects of the children now, I think parents definitely need to speak to children about social media. It shouldn't be the elephant in the room. It should be a topic that is discussed um, with children as early as possible. Um, you know, digital etiquette or something similar should be taught to children at a very young age so that they do not um, go on to, um, to, to, to um, put forward material that is totally uh, insensitive or even circulate material that they haven't, um, they haven't put together but other people have put together. You know, what, there's, there's, a, there's an issue right now in the UK, which is I'm sure also around the world, where a lot of people are not aware that being in possession of sensitive offensive material is also unlawful i remember the last time i was in lagos and somebody had said oh you know there's a lot of um, um there are lots of videos being passed around of uh, children pedophilic uh, sort of um, pornographic uh, videos and things and i was like why would they people have these things on their phone it is totally unlawful whether you are just forwarding it or um viewing it or laughing about it discussing it actually you're supposed to delete it immediately maybe digest what's in there or whatever you choose to do but it's not supposed to be on your phone what you're supposed to do is report it immediately you know i i use the word digest you shouldn't even digest it you know the reality is it's unlawful for it to be even on your phone um that's violence uh, any videos or any messages that relate to terrorist acts, they're actually unlawful. So if children are not aware of this, you know, they can find themselves in a lot of danger um, and be putting themselves and others in danger as well. And when it comes to what we what, what um, is on social media and how we're being treated on social media, I think 
reporting is very important. It's important to teach children to report, you know, to report, to report, to report. You know, there's a button that says report this, report this. And it's also important to block the bully from all, um, from all the victims of social media handles, so to speak, and email accounts, because of, you know, you don't want to keep being bullied by the same person. So you block them, but you also have to report. And when it comes to reporting, it's not just reporting the bullying that you are facing, it's also offensive material as well. That's right. Dr. Amma, well, I have a question. Can I add something to that, please? I mean, I know that we're focused so much today on social media, but we should also remember WhatsApp. People don't realize that the information you share via WhatsApp can be viewed by um, government officials. For example, I know personally of somebody who flew to the United States of America, had a visa, got there, was being interrogated some point in time for whatever reason they wanted to look at her phone. Um, and when they went onto her WhatsApp, they could see that people had been sending or sharing with her um, videos that were in, deemed inappropriate. And they did not, they canceled her visa and sent her back to Nigeria most disappointing she didn't think that those videos that had been sent to her um which were circulating and being viewed um although they were inappropriate uh would be used against her after she had a visa to get into the country so that kind of consciousness must become part of the daily discussions that we're having. And you had mentioned earlier about stakeholders. I know we talked about parents being responsible and adults being responsible, but living in the digital age, it's now become important for schools to bring these topics up. Schools need to play a role in explaining to their children because most 12 year olds, 10 year olds in some cases have phones and are connected to their families. So we need to make sure that at a very young age, these discussions begin and they recognize that they live in a footprint, not just on WhatsApp, but they're also living a footprint on the internet through social media and start to teach them the sort of information that is appropriate in the long run in terms of getting into secondary school or getting into university or even traveling abroad. Um, it's, it's vital that we make digital education a priority and um, we begin and continue to share these kinds of stories. A few years ago, we were talking about sexting, you know, taking sexual videos and passing it on through, through WhatsApp and all of those messaging system. It's grown now, it is, it's much more encompassing. And when the government starts getting involved and screening, it begins to let you know that you may be denied not just access to a country, but you may be denied even residency. Um, because of the things that you've done in the past. And yes, people like to see their likes. And the reason they like to see their likes is because it gives them a dopamine boost. When you see your likes coming up, you get a boost. Your brain says, oh, wonderful, you've done a great job. Boost, boost, boost. And then you want some more. And the more you get, the more you want. But it is a dopamine boost and it's like a drug. You know, yes, dopamine is good for you, but it is, you can get drunk on excessive dopamine because what you're getting is not really quantifiable. It's just likes, people are looking for followers. 
and followership does not deem what you have put up appropriate. And that's the thing that we need to teach this culture, this new digital culture, which we reside in. Thank you. It becomes addictive to you and the addiction has its own challenge. So I like I like the education dimension that Dr. Amma has brought in. There are a couple of my friends who have reached out to me to say that they are taking a break from social media. Um, so I know one of them that I can only reach via email and calls. You know, the reality is that social media can become overwhelming and there has to be a way to clearly define, to help children clearly define or young ones clearly define what technologies they let into their lives and how they can use them appropriately, you know, particularly understanding what your core values are and begin to build your technology use around them. And I think that that's also a very important input into uh, traditional education or what we have in schools. Um, Dr. Shotomino, we have to round up now, but let me let me just tell you a story. I had, um, there was a time I was living in a place close to a crematorium. And this particular crematorium would, um, you know, dark smoke would be coming out, practically smoke from burning of dead bodies and would invade the neighborhood where I lived. So I had captured that video and then tweeted about it one day, uh, calling government attention that it isn't this injurious to health and stuff like that. And I didn't know, I mean, I didn't know that that tweet was going to trend. I, the next thing I found out that a popular blog in Nigeria had taken that story, quoting me to have said that um, I had reported that uh, the broadcast journalist had reported that that particular crematorium was on fire. And the next thing I saw was um, lawsuit threats from this company um, threatening to take me to court, you know, for using social media against them. Anyways, I was um, I was also quick to debunk what the what the blog had broadcasted, and also tell them that this is what I have said that you cannot deny that this video is from your facility. And I felt that the black smoke is injurious to the community where you operate, and there is need for this to stop. And that was the end of the story. But the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, today everyone is online. Everything they do, they put online. Whatever they think at the moment, they type and they put online, not knowing which of those things can trend or can be taken out of context. As we wrap up this episode, I want you to talk to us, you know, uh, from your experience as a tutor and your experience with young people, um, how we can show more discipline, you know, particularly for both young and old, or show a little bit more restraint or find out or ask those pertinent questions as regards the implication of what we're tweeting or the aspects of our lives that we're putting online. What does it mean for our career reputation and relationships and stuff like that, Ms. Shotima? Thank you, that's a very far reaching uh, question, but I'll address one or two points if I may. Um, the first one is that um, 
you know, with regards to education and children, uh, as a teacher, I know um, from my colleagues and um, others in the field of education that the number one classroom safety concern, the number one classroom safety problem uh, for teachers and in schools is actually cyberbullying and the possession of phones. So many schools um, are banning phones, trying to ban phones, trying to introduce brick phones, as they call them. Brick phones are phones that you can only uh, make calls with or send texts with. They're not connected to the internet. Because even if we, they ban school uh, phones from schools, um, some children need to let their parents know they're on the train or the bus or they're in the way or if there's an emer emergency. Another issue is that even if the children are not allowed to use their phones in school, at the bus stops or on the way home, they tend to keep sharing things and come and look at this and, you know, bypassing different circuits and getting um, terrible content um, and videos while watching these. So it's a major, major classroom um, safety concern. A lot, lots of teachers unions are trying to come together to maybe try to get uh, the introduction of just simply brick phones in schools because children need their phones, you know, um, especially in case of an emergency on the way home and um, trying to get parents to agree. In many cases, it's the parents that do not want their children, on, you know, to have these simple phones because they feel that it's a status symbol for their children sometimes to have a nice phone. Um, in terms of the, the adults now, just quickly, um, just like I've advised about reporting abuse, um, blocking bullies from abuse, I also believe in line in, 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 in light of what we discussed earlier, that it's important to also exit for adults to exit groups that are circulating defamatory, nonsensical, insensitive and offensive material. I find that many people are on many, many, many groups, social media groups, and they're very happy to get these pings on their phones. And the reality is even if you do not watch the video you've been sent, you are actually liable to be prosecuted for having that video on your phone. So if you belong to a group that all they do is send terrible, you know, things I don't want to go into detail and you're, you know, accosted or something terrible happens, God forbid, and you have to, you know, answer to what is on your phone. It's not an excuse that you did not open the video and people have lost their careers due to this here. Um, in the UK and it's and people need to know all over the world the implications of actually belonging to groups that you shouldn't really be belonging to um, just for to, to to engage or entertain yourself. Indeed. Thank you so much, Ms. Shultimini. Dr. Ama, let me take your final thoughts on um, this conversation. I recall in our one of our previous episodes, you mentioned that the obsession with the screen has really tampered with the social life of our people. Um, there was a research carried out sometime in 2013, how withdrawing phones from students improved the quality of learning. And how about um, people now, children started paying more attention during lunch and um, their social interaction got back. How do you think this obsession with the internet or the social media can be broken? You know, Nifa, I am of, of the opinion that there is a time and place for um, internet usage at the right time to disseminate information that is valued and, and, um, and informative for others. I also recognize that we live in a digital world 
And through that technology, we've been able to communicate. We're communicating digitally right now. And it's what has actually kept the world going throughout the um, pandemic. So there's a place for this. It's a matter of respecting the internet, respecting the power of social media and not violating other people's human rights by spreading insidious videos or messages or putting out information that is detrimental to one's well-being or one's um, reputation. Having said that, I, like Ms. Shotomini, we've said this a few times, understand the power of collaboration, the power of speaking to your children, having conversations. It's very important that we engage our brains in multiple ways so that we form new neurons. And um, we know that um, few, few and fewer families are actually having conversations these days. Very often you can go to a home and everyone's on the dining table having supper, but their phones are next to them. You can walk away from the phone for a few just to enjoy family time. We need to go back to playing games. We need to go back to having conversation. We need to go back to having other skills. Yes, there are skills developments that are digitally available on the phone and we can share those and we can use those to enhance our learning because learning is very important but there has to be some sort of guidelines that parents and guardians and schools put in place to protect young people from the amount of information that can be overwhelming particularly when your brain is developing i have previously shared that the prefrontal cortex is not fully develop until 30 years old and in some cases even beyond but between 30 and 35 if that is the case it means that children young adults are not making the best decisions because that is the executive decision making portion of your brain so let's as stakeholders who care about the future of our children and care about our own future as well really begin to put in guidelines in schools and at home and also let adults learn that the children will mimic what they are doing so they must be responsible in terms of what they are sharing what they're getting involved in on social media and literally as a whole on the internet because the internet does not forget and all of this is a footprint and that footprint can be detrimental if the information shared is inappropriate or deemed criminal thank you Thank you, Dr. Amber. Thank you, Ms. Shutsumino, for your thoughts on this episode. Someone mentioned that it's highly possible that the end of your digital life will spell the end of your life as you know it. And it's evident in all of the stories we're reading online, um, how many people seem to be losing the simply uh, based on certain groups they had online um, in, the, in time past. I'm hoping that everyone will begin to take responsibility and also do their bit. Thanks for being a part of this broadcast. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode. See you again. Thank you for listening to Thinking Reimagined. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast 
and welcome your comments, insights, and learnings as we strive to transform our global society. A change in mindset, engagement, collaboration, dialogue, awareness, and education. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for a better global society.